Welcome to the Patricia King Podcast. We are going to build the kingdom of God in this hour. Jesus is sitting on the cloud. I believe that we are in the end time harvest season. But we're going to do exactly what he told us to do. We're going to disciple nations. Amen. Father, we pray right now. Um, we pray right now for provisional miracles. How many of you need a provisional miracle right now? Amen. Well, in the name of Jesus, we release it to you. We're going to see the heavens open today and the miracle realm open up for you to receive what you need in the Lord. And as the word goes, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the rhema of God, right? The quickened word. So we're believing that this word will be quickened to you today as the Lord uh, pulled it out uh, for me to deliver uh, to you. So we are going to step into supernatural provision. We're going to live in that realm. And the key, one of the biggest keys that we'll start out with is putting Jesus at the very center of it, that Jesus becomes our focus because he is our provider. He knows your need before you know it. And if you, if you look at the provision that you need, um, it'll falter. But if you look at Jesus, the provider, then in him is the provision that you need. And so let's keep our eyes on Jesus through it all. And many of you have heard my story, um, but I just love sharing it because of the COVID virus and what it did to society. It just shook everybody up big time. It was just like so much fear. I, I mean, immediately there was fear. And of course, we were shut into our houses and uh, quarantined and nations uh, boundaries were were uh, closed to people, and if they came back into the nation, they had to be quarantined sometimes for two weeks plus. I mean, it was a scary thing, and when you went out shopping, there was no food on the shelves, and especially there was no toilet paper, and so... This is something we're going to be telling generations to come, right? I remember back in the days of the, the coronavirus when we couldn't get toilet paper. Anyways, that became a big deal. And, um, but, but there was just fear running rampant, and people, people were so uncertain. And still to this day, there's so much uncertainty about how we're going to move forward and how we're going to um, uh, recover from, from what has happened. But right at the beginning of it, right in the very, very beginning when we were starting to be quarantined and and the uh, stores were you know uh, you know emptying their shelves and couldn't keep them stocked fast enough my husband and I went out to get some some groceries and that and there was there was nothing to buy and uh, the guy at the store said well you should have come a couple of hours earlier because it just goes right away and once it's gone you know we can't stock it fast enough and we have to wait for more supplies to come in I thought wow this is crazy I've never seen anything like this before and and so at that particular time, though, we were going to be hosting a guest in our home for a week. And uh, whenever uh, we do host guests, um, just because of my schedule, I usually take them out to restaurants for meals. And not only that, my husband and I don't really prepare meals. We just grace and uh, eat out. It's just because of schedule and that mainly. But we, we didn't have that as an option. We couldn't take anyone to any restaurant because all the restaurants were closed. And back then, I think even the drive throughs weren't open yet. I'm not, you know, it was just crazy. So I'm looking in my cupboards thinking, I've got to be creative 
on how I'm going to feed this man and uh, for a whole week, three meals a day. And I looked in my cupboard and it was laughable because there was like no food, you know, not even staples. There wasn't even a bag of rice or beans, right? I couldn't even, you know, whip something up that way. And so I was taking note of everything that I didn't have. And I thought, this is crazy. I wonder, you know, what I could make. I don't even have anything I can really throw together to uh, make a meal. And I said, but Jesus, I have you. I have you, and you are enough, because God plus nothing equals everything that I need, and I don't know what I'm going to pull together to feed him, but I know that you've got it. You've got it, and he wants to tell you right now that he's got you, and he's got your situation. He's got it. He's got you, and so um, I was just rejoicing in the Lord, and I was kind of laughing. I thought, this is a ridiculous situation to be in, right? You invite a guest to come and stay with you, and then you you have nothing to look after. And I checked the toilet paper supply. I thought, what if I don't even have toilet paper for him? Then I'm really going to be in trouble here, right? But anyways, I was uh, you know just kind of rejoicing in the Lord, and uh, the doorbell rings, and um, there's a lovely woman standing there with bags of groceries groceries, bags of them. And uh, she said, my husband and I felt that we were supposed to bless you. And um, so here's some, here's some groceries. And she just comes in and she, it's grocery bag after grocery bag after grocery bag. And I said, oh my gosh, can I pay you for this? She said, no, no, no. We just feel like we're supposed to bless you. Well, when I looked in the bags after she left, it was every single thing that I had mentioned that I needed uh, was in the bag and more and more. And the Lord said, it's all about me. I am your provider. And you don't, didn't even have to think of what story you could drive to to find what you needed. You didn't have to think about how you were going to pull it all together because I've got it. I've got it. I've got you. And that's what God wants you to know. He's got you. And he's got this situation that you are. And he does. He does. He does. It's not a matter of the stores having what you need. It's not a matter of you having even the money to get what you need. It's about him meeting your need. And he has so many different ways to meet it, so many different ways that he can do it. Well, I've had the funniest um, funniest kind of miracles uh, lately, the, you know, just, just the provision of God. And one of them, this is so funny, I still haven't really figured it out, except I just have to say, okay, God, maybe this was you, right? And I'm going to worship you and praise you for it anyways, um, whether it, it was you or not, <laughs> I'm going to believe that it was. But it's just such a crazy story. So a couple of weeks ago after church, we were out having lunch in the restaurant and having, you know, conversation with friends and that. And Robert Hodgkin was at the table and he said, um, by the way, Patricia, someone wrote in and they wanted to know what kind of facial product you use on your face because they think your face is beautiful. And I thought, well, that's nice, but they're probably looking at Marcella's makeup job, right? And, um, and, and he says, so what should I tell them? I said, tell them I use Vaseline. Um, I said, honestly, it worked for my grandmother. It works for me. I just buy it at the dollar store and slap it on, <laughs> you know. And, you know, so there were some people at the table that were a little bit shocked. And uh, they were sharing kind of what they use on their face. And, and, um, and so we were having fun over it. And, you know, just a few laughs over lunch. But the next day, I get up in the morning to groom myself in, you know, in front of the mirror. And I have a little shelf with some grooming products there. And on that shelf was facial products that I never put there. I never bought them. I've never even seen that brand before. I don't know where they came from to this day. They were just sitting on my shelf. So 
I phoned up everyone that I had lunch with. And I said, okay, did you happen to put the facial products there, right? And, um, and it was no, no, no. And I thought, well, who put them there? And they were saying, like, I would never go into your bathroom and put stuff in there, right? And I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe if God told you to, you would, right? And so um, I thought, well, I don't know where this... I asked everybody, and, and no one said that they put it there. So it just, it, just, it just was there. It's still there. I look at it every morning. I haven't even used it. Um, <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> still trying to figure it out. Okay, God, what is this? Maybe he just likes to have fun with us, right? He's a papa. And maybe he just likes to have a good laugh with us. And so, but then, um, Marcella um, uses a certain eyeshadow for the TV programs and that. And um, she had bought me a container and... I put it somewhere, I have no idea where, um, but it went missing. So she needed it, and I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it, and so time lapsed, I just kind of forgot about it. But recently I was cleaning up my pantry in the bathroom and getting rid of all the excess stuff, and, and so I was remembering, I thought, maybe I'll find that now, but I didn't. And I went through everything and reorganized my whole cupboard and did not see it there. But then, the day after I had the moisturizer show up, what shows up on my counter but that eyeshadow? I mean, where did that come from? I said to my husband, did you find this somewhere and put it on the counter? He said, no. And it was just sitting there on the counter. And I thought, God, do you have angels that run around and, and pick up cosmetics or something? <laughs> and maybe, right? I know that sounds way out. I know that that's kind of, you know, fun and maybe hard to even imagine or believe. But I think God is such a daddy. And the reason I'm sharing this is because some of you have had needs in your life that you don't even bring before the Father because you think they're too minuscule for him. But he cares about everything. It says that he has even counted the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. And no matter how mundane or simple or insignificant it seems, he is interested in every aspect of your life. And he is so personal that he will fulfill everything that you need, long for, and desire if it's pleasing to him. And so I just wanted to, to build your faith with that. And it's just been such a great season. It's just been miracle after miracle after miracle and blessing after blessing after blessing. And, um, you know, we're supposed to be in this really difficult time, you know, according to the world. But the water's fine in here, right? The water's fine when you're in Jesus because he is our provider and he is just good all the time. So I want to build your faith because you are going to receive shifts in the spirit. You are going to receive breakthroughs. You are going to receive miracles. You are going to receive increase. You are going to receive from Jesus because he is amazing. Now in Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will supply all your needs, all. Everyone say all including finding some eyeshadow. <laughs> My God will supply all your needs according to his riches. According to his riches. According to his riches in glory. 
in the glory dimension in Christ Jesus. Oh, my. He will meet all your needs. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches. According to his riches. Wow. That should build faith in you. Just meditating on that one verse, it should build faith in you. And it doesn't matter what your need is. In fact, if you don't have a need, produce one so that he can meet it, right? And if you have a need right now, you should be so happy because you get to have that scripture fulfilled. You get to have that promise fulfilled. You get to prove God's faithfulness in your life because you have a need. And if you don't have one, I'll give you a few. I can pass them along. <laughs> But I remember years ago when God showed me to produce needs if I didn't have one. And it was when we were working with anti-trafficking in Thailand and Cambodia. And our hearts were just broken over the situation there. And there were so many needs, especially when we went into Cambodia. And we had to work from raw darkness and bring the light. And one of the things that we felt really led of the Lord was to... Uh, produce businesses, to, to start up businesses and opportunities um, for the people to work so that they didn't have to sell their children into the sex slave, slavery. And so we, um, we uh, helped a, a, a ministry build a building. Uh, we built a coffee shop, um, a, um, a hair salon, um, a number of businesses within that business. I mean, it was amazing. We, we, we raised over a million dollars to put into the different projects to put work out there for the people. It was, it was an honor to lay our lives down for that. And God met every need. When we put the need before him and showed him what the people needed, he just was on board with us, and we partnered with him and fulfilled that mission. I think that in that one 12-month period, we established probably a dozen businesses, and it was just very, very fruitful. But then um, then the needs were met. That, that got met. And so the Lord said, well, I'll meet all your needs. Why don't you create another need? And we realized that we needed safe houses for the people so that they would have a safe place um, where they would be safe from the traffickers and the families would be safe and looked after. And so we started building safe houses and God met that need as well. He's met every need that we've ever had. And when we run out, we just create more. Like right now, we, we had a need to, to renovate the building. We had to put fresh paint. We had to take up the old floor. We have, you know, we're in the process of putting in new floor. In fact, the floor man's coming on July the 6th. So that first week, we'll have all of our floor in. And we're just um, working to fix things, to upgrade, to put the, the rock face on, all of that. We produced a need. And God met the need in the midst of the coronavirus. He is just a good God. And so he wants you to not think smaller, not restrain. I mean, we have to use wisdom, obviously, right? But, but to, to open up your heart to believe him to do great things. And if you believe for him to do great things, he will, because he'll always be good. We sang about that today. He will always be good. In the morning, he's good. In the evening, he's good. He's just good all the time, and he's good to you. He is good to you. In Haggai 2, 8 and 9, he says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. If it's his, it's yours. Whatever is his is yours because, because you are partakers of his glory. Jesus said, The glory the Father has given me, 
I give to you that we may be one, that, every, that, that we come into this oneness with God and with one another. And so he wants you to understand that everything is available to you. It's a matter of using your faith to, to pull on it, to receive it into your life. He says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So first of all, the word glory in this context is referring to wealth. That's one of the meanings of the word glory is wealth. And in this context, it's referring to that. So he's saying that your latter wealth is going to be greater than the former. That's why we should never buy into society's lie where you hear, oh, yeah, I'm getting older now. I'm just going to dwindle down. I'm not going to have anything. We should be believing to accelerate and make your plans to put in place what God says you can have. You're not going to be, you know, poverty-stricken in your old years. According to this, your latter glory should be greater than the former. And I know that in the Lord, as Ron and I have walked with God, I have to say it's never been so good as far as his goodness in our life, as far as his provision, okay? And it just keeps getting better and better. And that's the expectation that you can have. And we should never think, okay, well, I've hit the peak now. Now it's going to go down. No, he's going to show you how to continue to to abide in his glory, never put a restriction on God in that sense. Again, we need to use wisdom because you need to know where your faith is operating and then stretch it a bit and then operate on that level and then stretch it a bit. You don't want to, you know, get into a car at two years old and think that you can drive. You've got to, you know, kind of go through a few phases first to get ready, right? And it's the same with your faith. But I'm telling you, many of you need to stretch your faith right now in the goodness of God because we, the church, are going to be living in abundance even if things get shaken in the world because we are going to go meet the needs of the world and we are going to see them come into the kingdom. It's just like the man who lost his money. What a picture. He lost his money and the wind was blowing it away. The wind was blowing his money away. And he's just kind of wondering how, you know, he's trying to pick it up, but the wind just keeps blowing it. And who comes to help him? God's people. God's people come to help him. They're not out to take it. They're out to bless him. So they gather it for him and pray. Let me pray for you, brother. Way to go, pastor. <laughs> you know? So it, praying, and then all of a sudden, even more shows up. That's what we're going to do for the world. That's what, that's what we're going to do. We're going to show them how big Jesus is and how great he is because we know how big and how great he is in our own lives, right? And it says that it's the Lord of hosts that says this. You know who the Lord of hosts is? He's the, the captain of the armies of heaven. He's the captain of the angel army. That means there might be a little bit of war around it, but he's on it. He's got it. Say that. He's got it. Isaiah 60, one of my most favorite chapters in the whole Bible and my whole Christian walk. Um, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory or the wealth of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. How would you like to have wealth appearing on you? Well, that's what God wants so that the nations will see it. 
The nations will know it, just like Solomon. Do you know the kings and the queens and everyone came to Solomon because they couldn't understand how anyone could be so blessed. And when they saw him, when the queen of Sheba saw all that he had, all of its wealth, you know what she said? She was a heathen queen. But you know what she said to Solomon? Blessed be the Lord your God. Blessed be the Lord your God. She became a worshiper of God because she saw Solomon's wealth. There are going to be people in our community that are going to look at you and say, your God is good. Your God is so good to you. Can you tell me how to know him? You say, we sure can. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. And then in verse 5 it says, Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. Now I've heard many say, yeah, but that wealth, it's not real like, like wealth as we know it. It's spiritual wealth. No, it is it is definitely not only spiritual wealth, although that's the best, I think, you know, because when you have it in the unseen dimension, then it can manifest in the, in the real dimension, or the, in, in, in the natural dimension, I mean. But Isaiah prophesies what the wealth is. He says, camels will come to you. Camels. Now, camels in the Bible speak of prosperity. Remember when Abraham sent a servant out to find Isaac a wife? He sent camels with him, full of, full of wealth, right? Camels. Camels is a symbol of wealth. But it's also their transportation of that day. When Isaiah prophesied this, he was prophesying transportation, cars, vehicles are going to come to you. That's what the camels were. And he even says the young camels of, of, of Midian, these were the, the high-end camels, these weren't just any ordinary vehicles, high-end camels. <laughs> and flocks, he said, flocks will come to you. Flocks was the greatest commodity of the day because your wealth was determined on how many flocks you had. And he said, the flocks are going to come to you. Gold is going to come to you. Silver is going to come to you. Bronze, frankincense, extravagant timber, etc., etc." Wow, this is awesome. And we need to be positioned to receive it so that we can be a blessing. That's what Abraham was blessed by God so that he could be a blessing. That is the main thing in all of this. Okay, so the Bible, it's full of accounts of supernatural provision. If you do not know the supernatural provision of God in your life, it is really important to God that you get to know that supernatural provision, that you get to experience that supernatural provision, and that you know him as a supernatural provider. It's really important to him that you get to know him like that. So we see examples in the Bible, such as manna coming out of heaven every day for 40 years, just a little miracle. Every single day for 40 years, food comes out of heaven that they never worked for. They didn't need to work for that food. It just, it just landed there. They didn't have to cook it, prepare it, or clean it. It was just done for them by God. There was water that came out of the rock. I mean, this is an amazing miracle. And it wasn't just for one individual. It was for an entire nation. 
Miracles are going to happen for entire nations. And we need to believe God for our nations to be under God, that truly in God we trust, it says that on the dollar bill, in God we trust, not the dollar, but in God we trust, so that the heavens can open over our nation and turn things around. And I believe that they will turn around when we turn to God. We see um, in the Bible stories like um, the widow of Zarephath, where we see the flour and the oil multiplying. She, she didn't have any faith at all. She, um, you know, Elijah said, would you bring me uh, something to eat? She says, I, I swear to God, I do not have anything. All I have left is a tiny little bit of flour, tiny little bit of, of, of oil. I'm going to make my son and I a little bread cake. And we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. That was where her faith was at. That was pretty doom and gloom. That was called negative thinking, right? And Elijah said, go ahead and bake the cake, as you said, but bring it to me. Don't eat it. Just bring it to me. I remember as a new believer thinking, wow, that is so cruel. That is so cruel. That prophet wanting the woman's last little piece of bread. I mean, man. But I, because I didn't understand back then what was going on. You see, Elijah knew that she didn't have the faith. She didn't have the faith for it, but he did. And he knew that when it was in his hand, that he could do something with that. He said, you bring it to me first. And when she brought it, what did he say? He said, now you go make one for you and your son. Now, how's she going to do that? Because she just emptied out the flour and the, and the oil. She just emptied it out. And she gave it all to the prophet. So how's she going to make one for her and her son? supernatural replenishment. She goes back, and there's enough flour and oil there to make her and her son a bread cake. And then it just kept filling every single day. And it says in the Bible that not only did she feed her and her son, but the entire household and the prophet. Because Elijah stayed there, and she looked after the prophet because she was in the miracle dimension. Now, oftentimes, one miracle will put you in the dimension of miracles. Wow. And that's what happened to that woman. One miracle was released, and then she stood in the realm of the miraculous, and then her whole life was visited by miracles day after day after day. And that's what we're believing. As, as Shiloh leadership, we are believing for all Shilohites to live in that miracle dimension. That's what we're contending for, and that's what we've been seeing. Do you think it's just natural for $100 bills to fly right in front of you as you're getting gas for your car? And when you get to help someone, you get to serve them, and then they bless you back. I mean, this is, this is a supernatural divine connection that God provided, right? You know, and, and it could be for big things or little things or everything in between because God is not moved by anything. He's not moved by anything. In Elisha's day, there was a widow also, and she was going to lose her house. She had her house mortgage. She was a widow. Her husband had died. She had two, two children, and the uh, mortgages were coming to her to take her house and her children because she could not pay. And, but there was a prophet who believed in miracles. And he said, whoa, let's just work with what we have here. What do you have? She said, I tell you the truth. All I have is this tiny little bit of oil. Now, she was looking at that little bit of oil through the eyes of not enough. 
But Elijah was looking at that little bit of oil through the eyes of more than enough. All I need is this little bit. That's all I need. And he said, you go and borrow as many vessels as you can, as many as you can. So she did. They started pouring that little bit of oil, and it just kept pouring, pouring, pouring till this vessel was full. Wow, there's still oil here. Poured into this one, still oil left. Poured it and poured it and poured it and poured it until there was no more vessels to pour it into. If they had more vessels, it would have just kept pouring, pouring, pouring. As long as they kept pouring it out, it kept filling up. There's a point there for you right? As long as you keep pouring out, never withhold, never hold back, always keep pouring out. And so at the end, she said, I don't have any more vessels left. He says, okay, go sell, go sell the oil. Do you know that she became a massive business woman at that point? Because when she sold that oil, there was enough not only to make the mortgage payment, but to pay off the whole house and to look after her sons, for the entire time of famine, she was blessed. She lived off the rest. That was a pretty good business deal. And some of you, and I'm not, I mean, I just believe this by faith, that some of you are going to be given business ideas by the Lord, and overnight, it's going to produce for you because God's breathing on it. Amen? God can do it. Oh my gosh, we've seen so many miracles, so many miracles of provision. We've seen money on cup hooks, you know, that was enough to buy um, an airline ticket for an outreach I was going on. We've seen the miracle of chicken multiplying. So much chicken, we were getting tired of eating it. It just kept multiplying it. Three days after we served 19 people off of a chicken, we kept eating chicken, chicken, chicken. We've seen people get money in accounts that had no idea how it got there. I've experienced that myself. But I remember in one of our ministry events, a woman went to her ATM at lunchtime to get money out for lunch and for the, for the offering. And so in the afternoon, she put the money in the offering, but she had emptied out her account. She only had a couple of dollars left in the account. And uh, so she gave the offering, and the next week on Monday, that was on Saturday, on Monday when she went to the ATM machine, there was $30,000 in her bank account, 30000 And she asked the bankers, well, where did this come from? They said, I don't know, but it's yours. I mean, it's there. And they had no idea how it got there. She waited a couple of months before she spent it, but it was there for her. Another person that we know of, $60,000 worth of debt dissolved overnight. Forgiven. $80,000 worth of medical bills forgiven. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It's just like every week we have opportunity to pray for people's provision, and God is answering the prayers. Praying, praying for people's uh, finances to increase or for clients to come or for, for business deals to connect. And God is answering those prayers. That is during the COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. historical event where Jesus is showing himself mighty. Amen? So let me give you quickly eight keys on how to position yourself for living in supernatural provision. And the first one is so important. It's keep your eyes upon Jesus. Now, when you have a need, when you have a provisional need, it can be scary. It can be overwhelming. We all know that. We've all had them. Is there anyone here who has never had a provisional need? 
Okay, and I'm sure the same is online, but if, you, if you've never had a provisional need in your life, just put it in the chat box. I would like to, to celebrate that amazing thing. Maybe you could share some other people's anxiety, right? Or their moments. But we've all had times when we really um, were, were maybe stressed over something that came. Maybe it was unpaid bills. Maybe something was a shock and a health issue or something. And we just kind of think, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get through it? And as long as you stay thinking in that mind, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? You're leaning on your own understanding. You're asking yourself how you're going to get out of it. And that is the worst place to be because yourself is just not smart enough. But there is one who is. And his name is Jesus. So the moment that you understand that you've got some anxiety or concern or some fear, turn to him right away and say, Jesus, I cast all my care upon you because you care for me. And I know that you've got the answer. And I'm just going to celebrate you. And I'm going to honor you. And I'm putting this need right inside of you right now. There you go. You've got it. It's yours now. And let him work on it. Turn to Jesus and try when you feel the stress or when you go into your own mind and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get through this? Um, how am I going to pay the bill? How am I, how am I going to do it? How is this going to end up? Just get out of that space because that space is leaning to your own understanding and it's just not going to be enough for you. But Jesus, he is more than enough. Turn to Jesus right away. Just worship him. You know, I remember when we were down in Mexico, our very first um, time of establishing an outreach center in the nations. And I had the word of the Lord to go down to Tijuana and set up an outreach center. I knew nothing about even how to get government forms processed or anything like that. It was probably a good thing I didn't. I just, I just went. And I gathered, I, I called eight people that the Lord had put on my heart, young, young people. They were all young uh, from ages 19 to 23, I think. And um, I said, hey, do you want an adventure? And I was just in my mid-30s at the time myself. I said, hey, do you want an adventure? Um, I don't have any money to give you, but um, we can go down to Mexico by faith, and we'll reach the Mexicans. We'll reach the poorest of the poor, and uh, we'll share Jesus with them, and we'll set up an outreach center and invite everybody to come to it, and they can serve from all over the world. They can serve the poor in Tijuana. And I said, would you like to, to come? And they all said yes. All eight of them said yes. And so I had a team of eight young people. I was young myself. Um, and uh, we didn't have any vehicle to go down with, so we prayed the vehicle in. It came in three weeks before we left. We didn't have any place to stay. We didn't have any money either. You know, we were just believing. We were going to fasting and prayer and believe God for the money. And we started an outreach, and we charged every person $100 each for the outreach. And we had 12 people sign up. So we had $1,200 was all the cash we had. And we head down to Mexico um, just, just by faith. 
Way we go. Let's follow Jesus. You know, no turning back, no turning back, right? So we go back there. You know, we get down there. And I'm just thinking, we'll find a place. God's going to show us a place where we're going to go. But when we went and started looking for a place to rent to have this outreach center, we found out that there was no places to rent. In fact, there was two-year waiting list for people to get a place to, to rent, and they wouldn't give them to foreigners before they gave them to the, the nationals, of course. So I went into my head. Oh, no, how am I going to do this? How, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make this happen? Oh, no, what are we going to do? We've got people coming down in just three weeks, and we've got no place for them to stay. You know, and I went into an anxiety mode and tried to think, well, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could do this. I was leaning to my own understanding. And Jesus spoke to me. And he said, stop it. What? <laughs> I thought I was responsible. You're not being responsible. You're being stupid. Okay, do not lean to your own understanding. And he said, what I want you to do, I don't want you to go looking for a place. I don't want you to go looking for a place. And, and a friend had allowed us to stay in their apartment. We had nine of us staying in the one apartment, okay? We were all over the floors and everything. I mean, we just were. And I said, okay, we're not to do anything here, team. God just wants us to stay here and worship. Worship. Worship and intercede. That's all, all we're to do. And um, so the first day we did that, and it was a long day. <laughs> everything in me wanted to go out and find a house find somewhere. So at the end of the day, I said, God, okay, we, we worshiped and we prayed for the whole day. Can we go out and find the place now? And he said, no, got to worship and pray for another day. I thought, oh my goodness, the clock is ticking. You know, you said in the word, Lord, seek and you will find. Don't I have to go out and seek? He said, no, not yet. <laughs> so we worshiped and we prayed for the second day. So when I got up the next morning, I said, okay, Lord, we got to go out and find that place. He said, no, you don't. Worship and pray. And it was a hard day. Everything in me wanted to run out. I'm kind of a get-her-done type person, and I just wanted to go out and do it, right? And God was chaining me to, to the room. He said, you're not going to lean to your own understanding. You're just going to worship, and you're going to pray. So that night, the guys on our team, there was three of them, that needed to go out and do some laundry. So they took a guitar that they had, and they went down to the laundromat, and while they're doing their laundry, they are worshiping God in the laundromat. They said, we'll continue the worship thing, we'll do it in the laundromat. They went down to the laundromat, and a whole bunch of people came around and worshiped with them, so they started preaching the gospel to them, and were leading them to Jesus. And then finally, this, this guy came up to them and said, hey, are you guys Christians? And, 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 and they said, yeah, yeah, well, well, what are you doing here? He says, well, actually, we're going to be starting up an outreach center here for the Lord. And he says, oh, great, where? And he said, well, that's the issue. We don't know yet because we haven't been able to find a place. Um, we can't rent anywhere. And he said, well, just a minute, uh, what do you need? And at that point, it was like, anything will do. <laughs> but... Um, he said, well, I'm a landlord. I'm a landlord as well as I own this laundromat here. But I have a place coming up 
this week, the end of this week, I have a place coming up. But the only thing is, I've had another couple that have been waiting for 18 months for this place, and they're on the list. So I, by law, I have to give it to them first. But if they change their mind, then you can have it. But he says, right now, they are scheduled to move in. And so they came back and, and told us this, and um, I said, well, let's get into prayer. We had an all-night prayer meeting, praying that God would provide a better place for that family. And um, sure enough, we get a call the next day that he all of a sudden got a job in Guadalajara, and they were going to have to move out of Tijuana to Guadalajara, so we got the place. And we filled that house. It had one bathroom, and it had three bedrooms, but we made six-pack bedrooms beds in, in each room, stacked them three high and then two across bunks. And we just filled every room with, with beds. And we were open right in time for our first outreach. And that outreach center was so fruitful in the spirit. We built medical clinics for the poor. We built houses for the poor. We built orphanages. We preached the gospel every day. We went into every prison, every jail. I mean, we went into the poorest of the poor, did feeding programs every day, clothed the poor, everything. I mean, it was just phenomenal. People came in from all over the world to that outreach center. If I had just continue leaning to my own understanding, where would that have gotten me? But you see, when the miracle took place, when the divine connection took place, we stepped right into a miracle dimension because after that, everything just came up easy. Everything after that was easy. And it all came from centering on him, putting Jesus first. Well, that was my first point out of eight, and I've got four minutes. <laughs> okay. Just write these down quick. Cultivate expectation for a miracle. That's how miracles happen, is through expecting a miracle. Don't expect bad things to happen. Expect breakthrough, and only breakthrough. Number three, believe. And you might add, only believe. That's not like believe 50% and doubt 50%. It's 100% believe and push every bit of doubt out of the way. If God said it, he will make it good. Number four, fight the good fight of faith. Are you going to have maybe some adverse circumstances pressure you once you take this stand? Maybe. But is God going to get that out of the way too? Yes. You have to stand your ground. Remember, it's the captain of the armies of heaven that's fighting for your wealth. He is the one. That means there's a fight. He doesn't just come in, you know, with tulips on the ground and say, oh, tiptoe through the tulips here. He's the, he's the captain of the army of heaven who's contending for your wealth and your breakthrough. That means there's a battle. That means there's a battle. And he brings the peace. But he will surely bring you the peace. And that word peace, shalom, also means your prosperity. He will bring it to you. And you will be established in that because we don't accept anything else. Don't accept anything else. Only what God is promising. And fight that good fight of faith. You let the devil know you're messing with the wrong person. I tell you, you're going to get out of my way. You're going to be sorry you ever tried. Because this attack on my life right now, it's going to produce another book. And it's going to produce 10, 10 television programs and, and 100 different video interviews and some courses that I'm going to teach to the world. The whole world will know how great God is and what a loser you are. So you are messing with the wrong person. Amen. You've got you to let them have it. 
He's not your friend. He's your enemy. And you win. You are, you are over him. He's not over you. Don't be afraid of him. If you fear him, that means you think he's over you. He's just like a little ant under your feet. It's just good for squashing. Okay, number five. Look to supernatural source, not to natural. Your need might be met totally different than what you think. And it might not involve money at all. But it will be met if you look to the supernatural. Number six, tithe. Always give God the first and the best. You might say, yes, but you don't understand the bills I, I, I have to pay. I tell you, if you look after God, God's interest first, if you honor God first, he will honor you. And I would rather live on less. I would rather sacrifice things than not, than not give God the first and the best. I would rather not have a new dress this month, or I would rather have you know, a can of beans rather than a filet mignon than forfeit honoring God with a tithe. I would rather cut everything back so that I can keep the tithe. But the thing is, when you tithe, you just get so blessed. You literally get overtaken by blessings. And you can go to bed every night and count your blessings. Name them one by one. They're there. They're amazing. And then sow seed. That's in addition to the tithe. And you will reap according to what you sow. And so you can sow clothing. You can sow vehicles. You can sow food. You can sow money. You know, whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. Sow kindness, and what are you going to reap? Kindness. Intentionally go out and sow kindness everywhere. Right now, I know Christians who are going out and just loving on people, saying, want a hug. Yeah. They have signs saying, want a hug. You know, and they're just sowing hugs everywhere. Well, that's going to get them a lot of love coming back at them, right? Yeah. And then finally, Wisdom. Wisdom. In Proverbs, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. And in wisdom's left hand are riches and honor. One of the reasons why people sometimes are not able to create wealth is because they don't know wisdom. And if they aren't able to sustain it, sometimes it's because they've lacked wisdom. But wisdom is given to anyone who asks for it. When you ask for wisdom, it will be generously given to you. And if you make wisdom... The, the standard of your life saying, I'm just going to use wi God's wisdom for everything I do, for everything that I walk in, I'm going to get his wisdom on it, then you will flourish. You will flourish and you will be sustained. If I look back on some of the blunders I've made that produced not good fruit, it's because I lacked wisdom in that area. I should have asked God for wisdom on it. And he would have given me the wisdom. Anytime you make a foolish mistake, it will, it will cost. It bears a consequence. But when you make a wise choice, it also bears a consequence. But it's of, of God's goodness. It's amazing. Did you get anything out of this today? Are you positioned to live in supernatural provision? We want this for all of our, all of our Shiloh Knights all around the world, all of you web church members that are watching right now, this is for you. We want all, every Shiloh night living under the banner of more than enough. Amen. Patricia delights in resourcing you and prays for your increase in every blessing of the Lord. May today's message impact you greatly and draw you closer to God's heart and purposes for your life. For more information about other Patricia King resources, events, and partnership, Connect with her on patriciaking.com. Also, follow her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and iTunes podcast.